Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means? You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. I'm glad you're here. And um, let's begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. And even though he's already included in that, St. Joseph, please pray for us. So, all right. Well, I'm here with... uh, Thaddeus, how are you doing, Thaddeus? Good afternoon, Trey. Good afternoon. I guess this is... Yeah, it's close enough to the it's morning, kind of morning when people are going to be hearing it, but we're yeah, recording in the, in the afternoon. Yeah, so anyway, it's good to be back in the saddle. We've had, mm-hmm. you know, beginning of the new year, lots of new things going on, so keep us in your prayers. We're, we, uh, the kids are all off, um, back to school, it's kind of quiet. Other than we're having some work done in the house, and uh, that always is a little bit of an adventure. Yeah, so you guys are empty nesters. This is what your second semester of second semester of empty, empty nesting. nesting. Yeah, we have, and we've added my mother-in-law um, mm-hmm. to the house, and it's great to have her. And um, it's just it's a new uh, beginning, and uh, it's been we. I guess it's coming up on two months now, but but. Um, we're glad she's here and, and um, hope we do a good job taking care of her. So, yeah. And being with her. So, so anyway. Keep them in, their, in your prayers, folks. Absolutely. Um, always need that. So, you know, this is going to be airing on, as you mentioned, the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord. And, mm-hmm. and while um, not a direct thing, also tonight, I'm, I'm supposed to be speaking at, uh, at some young married cut to add some hey <laughs> to some hopefully not adam but to some of them uh regarding um marriage and in particular uh, natural family planning and the and the um the theology, oh, okay. the theology behind that i mean um, i'm not i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the theology okay and i think there's kind of a fit um between um the two and i thought it would be a good thing to maybe talk through kind of laying the groundwork for a Catholic understanding, even with your kids and the stuff that you can do prior to even getting into the intricacies and details uh, that would lay, would lay the groundwork for the, their proper understanding of marriage and the marital act and, and all that. And I think that's, you know, I don't know. We, we, we joke about how um, at our age, how our parents uh, if stephanie was here she she would talk about you know how her mom talked to her um on the wedding day um about about that and that when i was talked to i remember my dad we we had gone hunting and he asked and you know started talking about about girls and 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 i said dad you know we're covering that in health Oh, really? They're teaching that in schools, what he said? And I said, yeah. Well, if you had any questions, let me know was kind of of the thing. And I think that we as parents probably, I don't think they had, I I don't, this is not not anything, an affront to them. I think that's probably 
the experience of most people, um, certainly people our age, but in the interim, um, particularly with St. John Paul II, we, we've, we've gotten, I think, a better way to articulate it. It's not a change in doctrine. It's the same doctrine, same way of looking at things that we've always had, but maybe a better way of expressing it. And, um, and if we can lay those things down, I think that's really important. So I think, I mean, I always say when I'm talking to these people, and I think these things would all fit, that there's basically three things that I point to. First off, <laughs> I think this is a surprise to anybody. Your kids need to know the definition of a sacrament because marriage is a sacrament. And so, um, like I said before, I'm happy to say that even my my freshman in college got into a conversation and, and, and was able to give the definition, which by the way, he said, I didn't think I'd ever use that in a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sometimes you don't, you don't know, but the, the one we'll work with here is that it's a, an outward sign, a visible sign of an invisible reality or of invisible realities instituted by Christ to f- confer grace. Okay. And so that's, that's the first thing. Uh, Long-time listeners of the show have, have heard that heard definition me, before. They, they know it well. Fortunately or unfortunately, the, that that's a. I think that's so critical to being Catholic is to understanding what that is and what that means. Um, so, it's a sign of invisible realities that are meant to reveal God and His truths to others by by that sign and in through that sign. That, that was given to us by Christ himself, not, I mean, it's viewed, all the sacraments are viewed as something that Christ gave to us. And the purpose, in addition to being a sign, is for it to confer grace. And grace um, is something that from a Christian perspective, from a Catholic perspective, is something that elevates our nature. In other words, it's, it's not something that covers our nature. It's something that actually elevates our nature. It, it enables us, empowers us by the grace of God to be able to do things that without that help, we would have great difficulty <laughs> in accomplishing. So I always joke that, you know, the, the grace of the sacrament is what I think got Stephanie and I through, um, through particularly the triplets and the six kids you know, under six in our house at one time. Um, that's always, you know, been something I've looked at. I'm like, how in the world did we make it through that? I mean, without, well, I did drop a child, but. <laughs> but the hey, you child don't have to was say fine. that on the air. Right. I, did, I, I fell asleep. I, we don't know how he ended up on the floor. No blood, no injury, nothing. Um, the, that was Colby. Um, he's also didn't have to say that on the area, but, but I, you know, being up front here, but, but there were times even in the midst of our tiredness and our just overwhelmed, uh, sense of what was going on and what we were trying to do that, that God's grace did elevate our nature. Uh, cause if you knew me, at least I'm not going to speak for the other half of the equation, but, um, I think anybody who knows me, the fact that God entrusted six kids under six to at least me um, it, it is just a way to make evident that his grace is efficacious. It, <laughs> it has the ability to change people um, and to help them through their trials. The interesting thing about that, and we've talked about this before, I think it's important. So as we got into probably... I don't know, probably five or six months into this uh, endeavor of these kids. So you'd you'd have the oldest at about six and a half, and you'd have number two at probably at four, almost almost five. Number three at two and a half, and then the triplets at six months. My wife looked at me, Stephanie looked at me and said, Trey, we can't handle this, and... And, uh, of course, me being the theologian and knowing what grace is, you know, I said, Stephanie, you know, God would never give us something that we can't handle. And, you know, of course, she just perfectly said, logical. Wish I had a V8, stepped her head and said, Trey, I'm so glad you said that. Hadn't thought of that. Everything's going to be fine. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Cajun got quiet. Uh, and when the Cajun that's gets not a quiet, good sign. When the Cajun gets quiet, that's uh, that's a sign that something profound's about to come out. And and in fact it did and it's it changed everything because she looked at me and she said, Okay, I'll I'll buy that. But we're not handling it. And I think that speaks to something that, that God's grace is a gift that he gives to us and, and we can count on it, it by faith, but we do have to respond. It's not something that's magic that just happens. It's something we cooperate with. And I think that, I think that's really important to remember that grace is not something that's just like sprinkled dust that comes down and says, okay, everything's going to be fine it is something that requires a response of ours to the situation in which we find ourselves first being exactly what I said, what I'm going through. (laughs) I know you haven't given me something that I can't, I'm, I'm incapable of handling, but with your grace, I'm capable of doing that. But that also calls me to do something, Mm. whatever it is, um, in the moment, whether that's not have as much, sleep and and just trust that God's going to give you the grace to make sure you can get up and change diapers or do whatever is necessary in that moment. But that is all being said to reiterate that it's important to understand what a sacrament is, that it's a sign and it's meant to be a sign and that it was given to us by Christ himself, a sign of invisible realities but it was meant to confer grace. So we can trust in the grace of holy matrimony. We can trust in the grace of marriage. I think we don't, we don't call on that enough. And I think it's easy to forget that it's a sacrament. It's important to remind yourself that it's a sacrament. I can remember early on prior to the triplets and even prior to say number three child being born, it was starting to get busy. You know, I mean, lots of stuff going on and, I remember at that time, Bishop Mike Sis was here and um, I went to go talk to him and I was like, you know, I don't have the ability to go to daily mass like I was doing normally because I'm having to go home and help Stephanie with the kid with the kids. And I can't, you know, I am getting up and praying, but I'm not don't have as much time to be able to do that. Um, And and he kind of looked at me and said, Trey, I mean, you got you're working on your master's in theology, right? And I said, yeah, he goes, hey last time I checked marriage was a sacrament. So there's grace available there for you. If you'll call upon it and recognize it, that will provide you the, the strength you need to accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish. And again, (laughs) I knew that. And I think many of people out there listening know that but it's easy to forget, particularly in this secularized world, that marriage is more than just a contract between two people saying, I'm going to, you know, till death do us part. It's more than that. And um, it's sacred. It's something special. And so our kids need to know that foundationally, not only the definition, but that it's something that's been given to us that is sacred, that helps us to become holy, that empowers us to do what we can't do. And when you look back, I think, as you kind of are going through it, you can look back and go, okay, there was God's grace. There's (laughs) no way that I could say, yeah, I got that done through my hard work. No, I just cooperated with God's grace to do what he gave uh, us to do. And of course I failed and you know, we failed at at times, but you get back up on the horse, trust God, get to confession, go back and just allow God's grace to transform you. So that would be the first thing. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I thought just threw out her. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of words coming out of my mouth. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think that that's, you know, excellent observation and you have to I, I keep pondering that idea of, of Stephanie saying well, well we're not handling it we, we could handle it you know God's not going to give us anything that we can't handle but we're not handling it right now right in this moment so what do we need to do differently right. in order to be able to handle it 
and and so there's what I mean, do we need to do differently, differently to access that grace that that God is giving us? Right, and I think that's again, it's 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 always something you have to remind yourself of. I think because you can get caught up in doing yeah, this stuff. It's very easy. I mean, but particularly as more kids come, as they're involved in more things, as just it just gets busier, and it it can become very ordinary looking. <laughs> and I think that's important. Think about think about what God has chosen to make signs of the various sacraments. Think about it. The Eucharist, it's a plain piece of bread. It's ordinary wine, grape wine. He's chosen something that most people at some point could get access to. It's not something that's otherworldly or beyond, and he uses that. He uses me and my wife, you and your wife, ordinary people with all their foibles and fallings and idiosyncrasies. He says, I'm going to use you as as a sign. Mm -hmm. So he's not scared (laughs) of it looking ordinary. And if he's going to use bread and wine as the sign he chose to um, be the sign of himself, as well as the actual presence and the availability of, of of his body, blood, soul, and divinity. I think that speaks something to the fact that there's an ordinariness to holiness. I mean, there's a there is a there is something that we tend to think like it's something else, not what's going on in my house. That's not what's happening. What's happening is is he wants to use the ordinary. And, I, and I've mentioned this before, but I mean, Jesus lived a, an ordinary life from all standpoints. He wasn't, he didn't come as a king. He didn't, wasn't born into a wealthy family. He wasn't, he was very ordinary, very ordinary looking even for 30 years. And so one eleventh of his life was spent kind of in the spotlight. Ten elevenths of his life were spent very ordinary living. Okay. Remember God, chose to that. He could have done all kinds of things. <laughs> but I think that living out the life that the Holy Family lived and the fact that Jesus was there, you know, doing what kids did back then, helping their dad and the, learning their dad's craft, you know, I mean, yeah. St. Joseph, his, his foster father, but learning his craft, um, saying yes, ma'am, and no, sir, to to his parents, being obedient, all those type of things were things that he was doing and spent relative to the entirety of his life more time doing that than doing the extraordinary. Right. And so I think that's important to remember and contemplate the fact that it's exactly in our home, exactly in the midst of me with my troubles and my own lazy, whatever laziness, whatever issues I have, <laughs> whatever issue Stephanie has in your home, the same, he has chosen us for that. He's, he's involved in that. He wants to have that be the place where holiness is able to come into us and flow through us in those daily actions. Yeah. I think also we have a tendency to conflate or rather confuse, um, holiness with perfection right or exactly or holiness with um uh, ease almost or they're exactly. not everything going according to plan right and and that's not what that's not what holiness is so what well, you think yeah i i think that some of the things that i try to i try to remind myself of that often in my my, my life and in my vocation as a father and as a husband. And I try to, to remind myself that, um, okay, I'm, I'm in this, this moment where I'm like admitting to myself that I'm having to maybe do something that it's not really what I want to be doing at that, at that time, but I'm going to, I'm going to offer it up. I'm going to give that time to God and I'm going to say, I'm going to do this for you because 
you made that sacrifice for me on the cross. So I'm going to make this sacrifice now, or I'm gonna, and I'm going to make this sacrifice because I love my wife right? or, or my children, whatever the case may be. And, and I, I also try to remind myself that and not in a sarcastic way or a cynical way, but just in a legitimate things could be worse. It, it could be worse than ha- what I'm having to do right now. In fact, it was a lot worse for Christ. I didn't have to right. hang on a cross for That's hours. I have a cross, the crucifix, yeah. where you can see that. So those are some those are some ways that I, for me, I try to bring myself into a. And I, it's awkward, you know, talking about yourself, but I try to put myself in a position to be elevated by grace, or I try to put myself in a position to act from a holy or let's say strive towards holiness or point myself towards the holy option. Let's get it. So holiness, I think is a a term that a word that's thrown around quite a bit. And I think people don't understand holiness. There's one who is holy, only one. If, If we're holy, it's because the one who is holy has shared his holiness with us. Right. So God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Trinity, is the source of all holiness. Right. Holiness does not exist other than Him, other than the Godhead sharing that holiness with us. So what is the definition of holiness? The definition of holiness is to be in union with that Godhead, to be in union right. with the Trinity. Right. And the way that we are in union with Him is to be in union with Christ, who's through him, with him, and in him, which we say at every mass, that is that is the essence of that. So it's an act of the will to say, I'm going to unite whatever I'm going through, the joys, the sorrows, the sufferings, the failures, everything. That's what holiness is. So holiness is not dictated by the circumstances. They're dictated by the response of the person in those circumstances to say exactly kind of what you're saying. Christ, you went through this. I mean, what did Jesus say? You, you must take up your cross and follow me. Well, I mean, if you think about what that means, that means it's not, you're guaranteed it's not going to be easy. And so I, so I think it's very important to understand if holiness is something that we're called to, we got to, we have to properly understand that what that means is I am in union with Christ in whatever I'm doing. Well, so he spent all those years and, and presumably sometime after St. Joseph had died, you know, doing what a carpenter does he is in union with the Godhead. So he is holiness himself doing that, that in and of itself speaks to us that our work, Mm -hmm. what we do every day is part of the plan of holiness. You are united with him as he united himself with every man in and through the fact that he lived a life, a human life as a divine being, but, but fully human in every way except sin so sin didn't prevent him from working. It, it was him entering into work. So we have to see that. And that means everything that we should do in, in our own calling. So if we're married, that's take care of your wife, take the trash out, make, you know, get, make sure that this is fixed or that's done. Those are all situations where holiness is kind of made present in one an awareness, okay, I'm uniting this with him. That's why a morning offering is so important. And even, you know, to the extent an hourly every once in a while to say, I offer what I've done and what I'm going to do to you and what you accomplished, you know, what is made present on the altar at the mass. Yes. That that kind of thinking has to go on. And then embracing of those things that, that our state in life calls us to do, which often is not doing what you want to do, but it's doing what you ought to do. And that's a big deal. And there's lots of times you have to, I think you have to remind yourself, yeah, I'd rather be doing this or couldn't God use me in some other way? Wouldn't it be more holy to do this? 
when in fact the answer is no, it's it's doing the, the best place to find it. You know, so that's why I love San Jose Escriva is because he says it's it's obedience in the moment to the state that you're in. Yeah. As a lay person. Yeah. The child's crying. Get up. There's a moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the food, the tables, you know, needs to be cleaned off. There's a moment. The yard needs to be done. There's a moment. Those are all things that are meant to be that because Christ did those things. And therefore, he's calling us to do it. Or, do you, do you want to try to go now to... Yeah, number two. Like how um, NFP is kind of a reflection of all, well, all those things? Well, so, so I'll try to tie in first the, the, the thing. So in terms of obedience, think about this in, in, in the presentation at the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so that the presentation is something that was called for by God's law. Right. There was timing to do it. There was a way to do it. There was a very, so you could think, okay, well, my son's, I mean, Mary knew that this child had been, had been conceived <laughs> in, in a singular way. Um, Joseph obviously knew that. And, and so there's God as a child, Mary, whether she knew it or not, was full of grace. I mean, she was sinless and, and, St. Joseph was on his way to be a saint. Of all people, people say, you know, I, I've got right. I've got God. Why am I going to the temple to do this thing? Well, because that's what their job was. That's what their call was. And so they made the effort to go do it. So they, they show us, the Holy Family shows us that obedience to God's revealed law, we're not above, of, above it. No different than... You know, I think one of my favorites is that you have uh, St. Francis de Sales talking about discernment, and he points to the Holy Family and says, okay, Mary listened to and and followed her husband, hmm. <laughs> Joseph. Jesus was obedient to his parents, and he points out the least holy of those people was St. Joseph. Right. Yet he was put by God in, in, in that position and those people who were God himself and, and, and the mother of God still followed that lead. And so he points to part of discernment is recognizing where you are in your job, in your family, what is your state in life, and doing those things that are may seem menial, but doing them because that's what God wants you to do. So not chase after something else when in front of you is the means of holiness. So just want to make that connection. But then, but then in terms of um, that time with NFP and, and the Catholic understanding of, of marriage and the marital um, act, it, it is essential to look at two other places. One from um, scripture, I think, and then the other is from St. John Paul II, a line from his. So the first thing I always like to point out is this is from the beginning. You know, if you look at this, the first page of your Bible, um, you, you'll see that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them. And then he talks about having dominion over fish of the sea, birds of the air, all that. Type. So and then it says, so God created man in his own image, which is important. Image is a sign, right? It's something that is not what it is in and of itself or what it represents, but it is meant to be an image. So man was meant to be in that image. In the image of God, he created him. And then I love this because I'm an English teacher. The next thing, male and female, he created them. You'd have like a problem in most English classes with a lot of this. Mm. <laughs> you know, let us make man in our own image points to the, the Trinity. I think um, that at this point, God is one, but it says, let God said, let us make man in our own image. And then further down, he created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. That's inspired Word of God. That is something that's pointing us to this idea that, as John Paul II would will, will eventually talk about, 
that yes, there's this singularity in man, man being humanity, but the way he created him in the image is to have these two beings in communion with one another. So male and female, he created them as being, that's, that's the sign that is at least a sign of God. It's his image. Um, and, and that's critical to understanding that male and female is at the center of what we believe marriage is about. And the, the fact that it's not, we always talk about men are created in the image, but I think this points us to the fact it's the way man, man is created in his image. It's actually male and female. Yeah, I was going to say male and female is fundamental to what we believe about being a human being, about hu- humanity. Right. So humanity at its core is as, as a sign of God. God's made it not, it's Adam that's my sign and then this woman. It's not an appendage. <laughs> it's, it's not a like compliment. an appendage. It's, it's, it's a, a compliment. Comp- and in fact, like I said, you know, one of the things I, I heard this the other day, but it, but it's it's been something that St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, would talk about. When we when we talk about where Mary stands as as a human being in in this world, the the last in execution is always the first in intention is what he would say. So the 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 woman is the height the the pinnacle mm-hmm. <laughs> of God's creation. So we as Catholics don't diminish women, but in fact say. That's ultimately there. And men are meant to be there to serve them, you know, to die on the cross. You know, when you get to marriage, what does Jesus say? You know, love, I mean, St. Paul says, men love women like as I love, as Jesus loved the church, which is what? He died for them. He, He was hung on a cross for the sake of his bride, the church. So that's essential to understanding that, okay, it's male and female, and there's something about male and female that is meant to show us something about God, which is hinted at in the let us make man in our own image, when at the time the the Jewish people would have said there's one God, yet right there, there is a let us make man in our own image, is pointing us to this communion of persons, which is the Trinity. So from the very beginning, there's some revelation that's saying, okay, God revealed his Trinity. When he made them, he made male and female. And that now makes even more sense because what that means is male and female are meant to be in the sacrament of marriage, a sign of this, of this relationship of God, the father and God, the son, the first, person of the Holy Trinity, second person of the Holy Trinity, and this eternal exchange of love that is so much that at the same at the same time, I don't, you don't want to get into a time that God has always existed, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's not like a, a, a moment <laughs> in time when this happens, but, but that's why we have such a hard time speaking about it. But the sign that he gave us, one of the signs was marriage that male and female female come together. They give themselves completely and totally to one another, just like God the Father and God the Son give themselves completely to one another, everything that they have available, and that that, in a sense, overflows or is the love. It's so real, that self-gift, that love is the third person. Well, as a sign, falls short, but that's why male and female come together and then in the marital act, the two become one and a third, let's go see a triplets, but <laughs> a third being comes from that. It's, it's, it becomes it's like a exponents, sign. like three, three or a third. Right. It becomes a sign of your love, of your oneness, which got even with the genetics of the two, that's why you have children that will look a little bit like mom, a little bit like dad, or you must be a Cassian. You must be a Romansky. I mean, you can go down the list, and but you can see kids and go, oh, that kid's got to be their kid because I can see their face. I can see them there. Right. So they become an actual, the child, in a sense, becomes a sign of that love between male and female. Right, and I, 
we we also I think it's important to to point out too, and we said that we were gonna you know stay uh, PG here, but I think we can still say that the man and the woman they literally fit together. together. Right, they fit together. They they're made for one another. They they fit together the way uh, in an in an incredibly purposeful way. Well, that's that's why at the when when you know he's named he's named all the animals and he looks around and he God realizes I mean not God realizes I mean God knew this was the plan but he realizes yeah that's great but there's and then he puts him to sleep he puts him to sleep he pulls out the rib he builds oh yeah, yeah. And, 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 right and, Adam and, Adam has named all of creation and. In one of the accounts, doesn't he say, but none of these are my, are my companion or something like that, that meant, so, meant for me. And then, so God says, I'm, I will make a, a, um, I forget what he said, a, a we're going to find it. We're going to find it right here. Suitable, uh, a some, suitable su- partner, a suitable partner for you, something along those lines. And so he makes female. And then when he sees Eve, he says, ah, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And there is a realization that now he's, in some sense, able to be who he's meant to be. <laughs> and this that they belong together. And he recognizes they belong together um, in and through uh, their... Body. Yes, excuse me. This is chapter 2, verse 20. The man gave names to all the tame animals, all the birds of the air, and all the wild animals, but none proved to be a helper suited to the man. Right. A helper suited to the man. So there's a realization there, and then, then so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he, was, while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman— and brought her to the man, and the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Right, and and if people have been listening to um, Father Mike Schmitz's uh, Bible in a Year oh, yeah. podcast, uh, when he went through the Genesis creation account, one of the things that he pointed out evidently was that the fact that it's from the rib and that that's the kind of the point of contact and and joining between the two is significant because God didn't take from man's foot, so he's going to be standing on the woman or right. lording it over the woman symbol- symbolically, and he didn't take it from the man's head so that the woman is over the man symbolically, but rather from the side so that they're supposed to stand side by side. They're supposed to be shoulder shoulder to shoulder and be of help and assistance mutual assistance to one another and so there's the beginning of of marriage and that's the way god intended it to be so from the very beginning that was the case and and so if you take this visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by christ and you lay it up against that then you can look at what is this relationship meant to be and we kind of talked about it briefly that the two become one and sometimes in that then then a third being and that it comes from that union and in fact down the road because of his looks temperament whatever points back to that union which is what we're meant to be as creations of God we're meant to point back to this Godhead who is love and what love looks like so we get a glimpse of it, albeit falling short, but God has picked this as a sacrament. He's picked it as a sign um, for that purpose and, and to reveal himself in some way about what, that, about what that is. God is love, and so something in that relationship between man and woman is the image of this Godhead from a human standpoint. He's what love and life. And so love and life are meant to go together. <laughs> mm. This self gift, which is one of the definitions that I would use this, this giving completely of myself 
spouse giving completely of herself back results in a gift (laughs) that is given to us for the purpose of both showing what God is and what love is, that love from love comes life, is meant to come life. And so that's very important to understanding that. So male and female, he created them. That image, again, points us, the word image points us to this idea of a sign. The fact that it's let us make God is that invisible reality of who God is that male and female um, in that sign of marriage are meant to make visible in human terms what's going on with God. That's what they're meant to be. I think that's what I think the part of the crazy thing in marriage and in other, in other sacraments, the whole, um, holy orders. I mean, he entrusts a, an awful lot to us. I mean, we, we can choose to be bad signs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's amazing to me that God has that much belief in our dignity and our, capacity for doing that, but he's not going to force us to do it, which is why it's so important as parents. That's why, you know, I, we've talked about it before, and this is definitely a sidebar, but that sidebar is, that's why it's important for a mother and father to be around, of course, when other things don't, but to, to if they have the choice to be around, to choose to be that sign of unity to their children, because a father and a mother are in a sense, God and and the church being made kind of visible as a sign of that. And so, again, it all kind of ties together when you begin to see that marriage is meant to be a sign, and that's why it's a sacrament. And it's meant to reveal invisible realities, including the Godhead as Trinity, including the relationship between Christ and his church, all of those things are things that were meant to be science, which is why it's so important to actually understand the reality about who God is and the reality about who we believe the church is and who we believe Jesus is, because from that flows, in a sense, some instruction as to what our marriage is meant to be like. In other words, we're, 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 we're meant to freely kind of pull up alongside that and say, I'm meant to be like this. If I'm a dad, I'm meant to die to myself. Am I dying to myself? Do my kids know that most of the time I will choose something that's for their betterment over my own? Do they know that? Um, Not that you would point to yourself, but do they recognize that? Because they should be able to see it through a lifetime of living with them. So again, that's why it's important to study theology. That's why it's important, at least at a at a base, to to understand why is why is it even relevant or even important to know that God is Trinity. If that's the number one in the hierarchy of which the church says that was the primary reason that Jesus came was to reveal the Trinity and then to save us and then to invite us into relationship with that Trinity. But nobody knew that the one God was actually three persons until Jesus revealed that. Come back and talk a little bit more about life and love being intertwined um, well yeah. in indivisible well that and, that and again that's that's what's that's why it's important to understand that the, the God is love I mean John, Saint John says that a lot of times in, in his letters um, that God is love okay that's easy enough to say but until you understand, what love is until you understand that God is this communion of persons of like the preeminent, I'm not even sure that's the right word, (laughs) but if there's family, it's because God is family. So it love is kind of the, what, what God is. And so we're meant to love, but from that always life flows. You can see it over. He doesn't, he didn't need to make us. It wasn't required. We're, we're not, necessary (laughs) but from that love there's this like an overflowing of itself into life Mm -hmm. and so again in trying to keep in line with how god has revealed himself and if we're meant to be in in his image and likeness then we have to know that 
okay, from love, life overflows. He doesn't limit. He doesn't hold back. He gives everything to us. As Christians, he gave his only begotten son, the second person, the Trinity, fully and completely gave him to us, not with, with holding nothing back. Right. And so, and from that, we have eternal life. So everywhere you look, even from the beginning, he who has existed for all times just says, let us do this and let, let's make these people, in our, the, these humans in our image and let us, let them, we'll create all this other stuff for them to manage and oversee. And, and that's how they're going to, all those things are ways that they are meant to be signs, imitators of this Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there can't, they, God doesn't disconnect love from life. Therefore, we have no right to disconnect love from life. If we look at, if we look at it from our job given to us by God, the gift of our life is meant to be an attempt by us to freely cooperate with him forming us into his own image over time. And so that's, again, very important why we don't, we don't believe in contraception because that's a disconnect of love from life. Right. But at the same time, for NFP, you learn that just like the natural world, there are times of fertility it, and there are times of infertility. And right. it, um, operating within those naturally occurring cycles is not the same as interrupting the fertile cycle with that's the brilliance of the brilliance of 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 what uh pope paul the sixth said trusting in faith he's called men of science to come up with a way because he could see there's probably some legitimacy to the fact that people might want to manage the number of children for various reasons and so he calls on men of science to say there's got to be a way without doing, without contracepting, without doing something to stop the link between love and life within the confines of the way God ordered it. And so what has happened is we realize that, that women, I mean, I, I'm not an expert at, at this, but women are not, um, it, you think about it, when we, when we were trying to get them, we were told we might not ever have kids our OB Jen said it literally is a miracle that anybody has ever born. Mm. Uh, he just said, you don't realize how much has to come together for that to happen. And then when you study NFP, you realize that they're only fertile for, I don't know, three. Let's days. not get, let's not get into the technicalities. Well, I'm just of, saying um, there's some, there's some period of time, the vast majority of the time they're not fertile. Right. W- women are not, capable of having that so each month each month yeah each month or each 28 days let's say yeah so whatever the period of time is the god made woman that way and therefore he did not you can take from that science that truth going back and saying oh then he didn't intend for every act to bear a child right because otherwise he would have made that that way right and therefore we cooperate in, in our dignity as a human person with God's plan by understanding the way he made bodies. And then we cooperate with him to even a higher degree by saying, okay, we're going to do it in line with you, with how you made us with a proper understanding of what it means to be married and what this act means. And we can do it in a way that is completely in line with what you would have and does not ever separate in the sign the connection between love and life. That's, that is so, I think it's so awesome to think about the fact that, that we were given when this was all happening, a Pope who called, I don't, it didn't even sound like he really knew that was going to be the case. He just in faith calls to men of science to say, there's gotta be, (laughs) Away, and there have been um, NFP and its various forms have have come about to show that yeah, that's true, and you can know when when ladies are fertile and when they're not, and therefore you can cooperate by not 
but having the sign reflect some disconnection between love and life. Is that? Yeah. And I think you just have to, part of your, your faith um, comes along with just like in every other area of life. Um, you're, you're not always going to, the outcome is not always going to be what you at that time think is the outcome that you should get. Right. And, and, and I think that what's important. And that about can mean the, conceiving a child or not, not conceiving. conceiving a child. And I think that that's important because, because then you recognize that, that, that in that moment you have that. The last thing is, and I'll throw it again if we, 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 we diverged, but the last one that I would say, and go listen to this, St. John Paul II in the theology of the body has this line and the line is the body and it alone is capable of making the invisible visible, the spiritual and the divine chew on that for a moment Mm. because, because that's really important to understand the Catholic understanding. God intends for our human bodies to make the invisible visible, both the spiritual meaning us and the divine. And so that is our job and that's our call. And if we can raise our kids to understand that along with the sacrament, the fact that that's a sign to make invisible realities that our bodies are given to us for that purpose and that we have the high calling of being made in his image and likeness specifically in one case. What, a, what an awesome way to evangelize that the, the body is we're, we're called to make the spiritual and the divine visible. visible. That's Beautiful. I mean, that's great. So y'all chew on that. Remember always, Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. Um, Keep us in your prayers. Y'all are in ours. Bye.